This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta. Online at AudiAugusta.com. Ryan Ballinger owns Golf News Net, and it's online at thegolfnewsnet.com. You can follow Ryan on Twitter. He's at Ryan Ballinger. That's two L's, two E's. He's posted an article this week talking about uh, the Saudi Golf League and Bryson DeChambeau and suggesting some changes the PGA Tour might want to consider when it comes to battling another tour. Lots to discuss. Pleasure to welcome Ryan Ballinger back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Ryan? Good, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing this. Let's start with the Saudi news. Uh, We'll start with this. Kramer Hickok, who plays on the PGA Tour, was on a podcast earlier this week suggesting that maybe as many as 17 players might be ready to head for the desert. What, when you heard that, what, what did you think? I think my initial thought was, what's 17 players? Mm. And started running through the top 100 players in the world and trying to figure out which ones would say yes and which ones would say no or which ones we've already know have said no publicly and started to try to compile a list. And I think uh, the slant that I had was a lot of the folks who would say yes are probably closer to the end of their careers than the beginning, because for whatever reason, whatever they feel about that, whether that's health, age, both, whatever. And started to try to think of who would take the money instead of trying to pursue a career on PGA Tour champions in a few years and walk away from the game. And then, then started thinking about who those people could be. And, you know, I probably got a dozen people deep before I started thinking I'm running up against uh, some more doubt here. Mm. Do you think anybody has said yes to them? I think based on what Dustin Johnson said at the Saudi International, that he assigned an NDA, I think that they're probably, I don't think that 17 players have signed an agreement that they're going to play in the Saudi league. I, I think we would know that by now, especially with the reports that they have every intention of starting in June. June's not that far away. Mm-hmm. And if you're intending to start a golf tournament in June, uh, the PGA Tour plans their events 12 to 18 months in advance. They plan majors three years in advance. So having four months to, to throw together a slate of golf tournaments, even just six of them, seems like a lot. So I don't, I don't think they're there yet. I think it's a lot of smoke in that regard. But I would imagine that for players to sign an NDA, they may be getting some kind of bonus payment or some kind of uh, upfront payment just in good faith of the negotiation. What do you think of of Bryson popping up in these stories? I think he has been lured into this concept. Um, Will he go with it? I I don't know. And I, I think that's the thing I keep weighing every time I hear another tidbit of information about who might jump ship and when they might jump ship. And I feel like this whole thing is a big game of chicken because if someone would have signed already, they would have said so. And because no one has said so, I don't think anyone has. I think they're all kind of waiting to find out who did and what they got and how long their contract is, and they want real details down to the letter instead of this amorphous idea that we have in public of what this concept is before there's maybe a more critical mass of players who agree to do this. So I'm not convinced anyone has actually agreed to it yet. We're talking with Ryan Ballinger here on the Augusta Golf Show. To your point, if Phil 
were the first one to say he was in. Would that would that necessarily be impactful for the guys who are playing the tour? I don't think so. And, and uh, this is probably ageist to a degree, but Phil Mickelson is 51 years old. His viable days as a week-to-week member of the PGA Tour are over. As incredible as the PGA Championship was last May, he has done nothing with it since. And I think it's a reasonable expectation that Phil's going to be a viable contender week-to-week, maybe a couple times per year for the remainder of his PGA Tour career were he to continue it. So I don't think him taking whatever large sum of money that's been thrust upon him by the Saudis is going to convince a whole lot of people to do the same for less money and a longer career window because Phil's at the end. I mean, if they say to him, we'll give you a five-year deal worth $100 million, Phil's not earning that on the PGA Tour or even PGA Tour champions where he has been dominant in his limited starts. So I don't think that's a, a mover for anybody. Same thing for Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter, guys who are in their late 40s who at their the Ryder Cup last fall kind of gave the sense that this was their last Ryder Cup. So even from that perspective of, oh, these Ryder Cup stalwarts would be taking the sounding money. Okay, well, they probably weren't going to play in another one anyhow. How much does being a captain mean to them? Apparently 20 to $30 million. <laughs> so again, I, I think, I don't think older players who are more at the back end of their career or the end of their career on the PGA Tour are going to influence the younger guys who we have heard consistently from Brooks and uh, Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay and Rory McIlroy, who's still getting older, but he's still young. All those guys have more or less said, I'm staying with the PGA Tour because that's, that's how I feel about it. I don't think there's been much influence there. You know, you talked about the game of chicken. If somebody does take the Saudis up on their offer, Bryson, DJ, do you think the tour does what the tour says it's going to do? Yeah, I think that I think they will follow through. I think they will say for as so long as you are under contract with the Saudis, you cannot play in PGA Tour events, and that'll go to court, and then we'll see on what kind of legal ground on which they stand. But I also don't think that those players, if they've weighed this, how I think they've weighed it, and they agree to the, take the Saudi money and join their concept, that they really care. Because they're probably players who feel they either want to cash in and have access to the majors anyway. Phil's got that for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Justin Johnson's got it for another four years. Uh, Bryson's got it for another four years. So I don't think that playing, no offense to the Genesis Invitational this week, really means that much to them compared to the guaranteed free money that they would get from a light golf schedule. But I also have to think that they have to be heavily weighing their commercial value plummeting if they choose to take the Saudi money because, as you mentioned, Kramer Hickok on the podcast, Stripe Show, he said, well, Workday's pretty much already told Phil, we're done with you if you sign with the Saudi. Well, that's a lot of money for a top-tier player is those kinds of endorsements that are worth, frankly, as much, if not several times more than what you earned inside the ropes, even with the modern money, even with the current money. So I, I think there's a an economic decision to weigh here, but I, I think as far as the tour is concerned, they have no qualms about 
following through on their threats. Speaking of the tour, you, in your article, made some suggestions, some thoughts about courses the PGA Tour may take. Uh, in sort of a Reader's Digest version, talk a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, I, I think that we've had a, a two-tiered system of the PGA Tour for a decade now, at least. I mean, maybe longer. There used to, there used to be the Tiger Tour and everything else. And tournaments that got Tiger's patronage saw dramatic improvements and differences in how they were covered versus everything else. Well, Tiger's not around, but we still have that now. We still have the tournaments that are patronized by the best players in the world. You've got all the invitationals. You've got Arnie and Jack and Tiger's event. You've got the players. You've got the WGCs, what remains of them now. You've got a couple of other events kind of spread around between Farmers and Phoenix and there may be a Florida event here and there. You've got travelers. You, you can think about all of the tournaments that the top players are pretty much guaranteed to play, and then every other tournament goes for the scraps. So let's codify that. If, we, if, if there needs to be a concept to match Saudi money to, to keep some of these players, perhaps, or just to appease the existing ones, let's codify that. Let's create an all-star tour, 48, 52, 50 players, whatever your number is, and you run – 12, 13, 15 tournaments, plus the majors, have a couple crossover events that would then feed with this second-tier tour, whatever you want to call that, that has the other 32 events, 30, 32 events on the schedule, and you treat them as such. And you have relegation and elevation, depending on where you finish in the points race or the money list or whatever for the top-tier tour and the, and the second-tier tour. You could have 10, 15 players move up or down every year, and given that you can have guaranteed money in these high-tier events, make the minimum purse $15, $20 million, 50 players, everybody makes 75 or 100 k just for showing up. That kind of thing would be really entertaining to watch at the second-tier level for those players who are vying for a chance that's basically more than a million dollars guaranteed to their, them the next year. Um, and then you move the FedEx Cup into the championship series for the, the this global tour, whatever you want to call it, and you kind of create a, a secondary series, almost like the Corn Ferry Tour finals for the, the secondary tour. Corn Ferry Tour becomes a third-tier tour. And we basically put in into writing what we already kind of know how the PGA Tour exists. Think it'll happen? Think something like that is feasible? I do. I, I think the tour is already working. I'm, I'm pretty certain the tour is already working on their answer to the Saudi Golf League, hmm. whether that's something that happens in the fall or whether that's something that happens throughout the golf season as a replacement for the world golf championships, which if you note, there's really only, there's two left and one's a match play and one's an event in China that has been in flux for several years now. So I think you could see a world where you could create two tours and it wouldn't be that hard to imagine them maybe starting in the fall, right after the FedEx cup, um, kicking them off as a reward and then having some interspersed throughout the season and, again, having that all culminate in something. Uh, do I think the tour is necessarily thinking about creating two different tiers? Probably not, but they already have them. So I, I don't see the big – it's not a whole lot of chess, chess moves to go from we effectively have two tours to we have two tours. He's Ryan Balaji, and you can read his insightful work at the Golf News Net. Dot com. Uh, thank you for saying yes to this, Ryan. We will catch up again soon. Thanks. Thanks so much. Please appreciate it.